1: Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
0: Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to DDP Snake Pit. And of course, we couldn't do it without the Hall of Famers themselves. Jake the Snake Roberts, how are you, man?
2: I'm a lovely person sometimes.
0: Sometimes that is true. DDP what's going on with you, man.
2: Never had a bad day in my life, brother. Plenty of sore ones, but no bad ones.
0: Well, where we, uh, picked up where we left off, uh, last week. We'll keep it going again this week. Uh, Jake is trying to find his way outside of WCW and, uh, Dallas. You're trying to find your way here in WCW in late 1992. You've spent some time working matches with van hammer and Eric Watts. You also spent a little time working with two cold Scorpio. As a fan, I thought he was way ahead of his time in 92. What was your perception of him as a performer Dallas?
2: Yeah. I mean, like (laughs) he was like so far, he was so far ahead of his time. Really? Like if if he would have came up with these guys today, like the, just the aerial stuff that he could do. and, And he was a big guy. He wasn't like, you know, five foot nine, he's good six foot and you know put together and he was just he was just a smooth character he was smooth man and maybe uh, too smooth yeah i don't know about that <laughs> i think he was you know all around he was fun to work with in the ring uh likened him to canyon in ways that you know he could dance with you and make you look better than you were so that that's 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 the art i think uh I, I, I learned it sometime from Jake. Jake used to say, don't make people look too good because then that's going to be your job. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's always good to build your opponent, though. Yeah. Because if you build your opponent, if you get beat, you got beat by somebody that's pretty damn good. But if you go out there and make your opponent look like crap, then you got beat by nobody. Right. That's one thing Bill Watts taught me. Damn it. <laughs> Never expose your opponent's weakness. Well, oh, I, I thought I thought two was awesome, man. And again, I, I like you just you know said, like really ahead of his time. I would love to see like transfer him like 20 years yeah. Yeah. in the future and see what he would do with some of these kids today. Cause he was working at a spot that he was at the highest level of, working that style. These guys today are doing shit that like <laughs> I don't I don't know how. There's not been 40 broken necks. There's gonna be a lot of residual, you know. Yeah.
1: Pain. A, lot of, a lot of
2: wheelchairs coming. Yeah, there's there's a lot of wheelchairs coming uh-huh. because it's just it's just you can't, you're a human being. You know, your body can only take so much. And uh he again, he I will bet you he's feeling pretty decent though, you know, for a guy because he was a guy who was always stretching out and I'm sure he found the way to to, to feel that the weather, some of the, the beatings he put his body through.
0: He was a big guy too. You know, a lot of, yeah. a lot of the guys doing the acrobatic stuff these days are a little smaller, but he was not a, a little man.
2: You know, it's kind of like Rob Van Dam. Yeah. You know, RVD again, another cap way ahead of his time and RVD is a solid 230, 235, you know, he's a big guy and, uh, God bless him. He's still out there doing it today. But, uh, back then he was, uh, you know, he was really put together. And when you got hit by RBD, you know, you got hit by RBD.
0: Uh, you also wound up working with a very young Marcus Alexander Bagwell. We'll talk about buff another time, but uh, the er, the, the, (laughs)
2: earth, there's there's a couple of chapters there. Oh, God.
0: But the early, the oh. rookie, uh, Marcus Alexander Bagwell, how was that? I mean, it feels weird from a booking standpoint, you're, you're a new guy yourself and you're working with van hammer, a new guy, Eric Watts, a new guy, Marcus Bagwell, a new guy that had to be a challenge at times.
2: It was, you know, the, 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 the cool part was we all bonded. So, and I would pretty much take the helm on laying stuff out because i really understood that's the one thing that jake really taught me that you could you could go in a match even with me really early even though i didn't execute it the way it should have been i was starting to learn the language of how to put a match together for the highs and lows and it really didn't really hit till i got to mark marrow when i got to mark marrow then things because we he worked with me again, another guy who was just as green as I was. Um, but that's where it really got. But go back to Marcus, like I can remember Marcus, and we and we talk about it today. Like, I can remember like I'm the first guy to ice his body in professional wrestling by I don't know five years of me doing it before anyone else did it, and that's only because there was a trainer. Yeah, we used to laugh at it. Yeah, I, 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 Austin, when I, I just was on his podcast in December and, you know, we, we talked about like driving down the road, drinking a beer. Cause that's what you did back then. But I would have ice bags on both knees and on my back in the beginning later, it'd be on both my shoulders too. I would have five ice bags on me, but in the beginning it was just both knees and my back. And Austin would put his beer in between my ace bandages that were around the ice bags to keep them cold. And I went, wow, that's a really good idea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, um, I would say to Buff, I can't remember asking him back when he was Marcus. I would go, Marcus, aren't you ever sore? Like, aren't you, Don't you ever like feel beat up? You need to ice your body? Nope, nope, feel great amazing of yeah. course i was 36 and he was 22 right and at 22 you feel like you're indestructible you know and you can keep going out and bumping and bumping and bumping and bumping and bumping let's just look at one of the greatest bumpers of all time i <sighs> know that wasn't you oh, <laughs> really. kurt henning right mr perfect who took bumping to a different level He was a young man when he came to WCW and we worked together. I want to say maybe because I was like 40 and I know I was older than him. I want to say maybe he was 37, 38. And he could still get that good, amazing bump in once in a while, but he couldn't do that shit he did before. I mean, the stuff he could do before, you know, warrior hit him and he threw himself over the top rope. But if you watch Henning and I watch this kind of stuff, when Henning would go over, his one hand would catch the rope. Mm-hmm. And as he was going down, his other hand would catch the rope. And then the other hand would catch the rope before he hit the ground. Slowing and him down. Just slowing some of that impact down. But for him to be a guy, when, when I started to work with him for the belt, I realized like, wow, like this is a guy, another guy I idolized in the ring because he was so amazing. But now, and I'm older than him, we're working together and we're on top and I'm being able to work at the same level as him. And there's some points I think I can even do that better than him, but that was only because he was really, he was more beat up than I was. And, you know, that's uh thing with Marcus. He could, you could do anything with Marcus because he was a great athlete. He was one of those kids who, you know, quarterback, running back, or whatever the hell he was in football, but star. Everything yeah. he did, he was a, go- a golden boy. He was a stud. He was a stud. And unfortunately for Marcus, he could put a lot of heat on himself. <laughs> you know. heat but, missile. But he was smart enough to befriend – Sting, who loved him, and Luger. Like, who better to be, you know, associated with as time would go on that would keep a lot of that real heat off of him. Uh, so, he, yeah, I, I always love Marcus. And, uh, you know, he's going through some, you know, some tough times right now. And, uh, you know, we've been talking, and uh, I, you know, I, It's it's hard because I with Jake, when I would help Jake, Jake would we had a relationship where if I said, listen, Jake, this is how we have to do this, he would respect it and work towards that. Marcus still his own animal. He, you know, he still still thinks, you know, he's gonna do what he wants to do. And I think over the last few months we've been talking, I think that he's he's getting more. Just, just let me drive for a little while bro you know what i mean that's all that's all i want to do because when jake let me drive we have really great success and marcus is at the spot today where he really wants to be because he's a i mean mark uh, there's not many people who are as gracious with the fans yeah as, as as buff Bagwell is i mean he loves the fans they love him um you know, uh, I think that uh, you know, going back to our time together, we bonded really strong, and and that was the whole thing. of The guys that we came up together. There was there was one time I of my favorite moments with Marcus when he was buff, uh, nineteen ninety seven, and I don't remember what building we were in, but he brought me out to into the bathroom. He said, "I got to talk to you," and People were chanting, DDP. And I'm not even in the building. I'm in the back. I'm in the back. And he said, you know, everybody laughed when you said you were going to be a wrestler and how you're going to be a top guy and you're going to be one of the top guys in the business. And he's like, listen to that, man. He's like, look who's laughing now. You know? so no better feeling. Oh, you know, God, it's crazy. You know, knowing that... You know, one of your peers that you came up with because Marcus and I really, he was, a, he was a year ahead of me, you know, in the ring. Cause I was doing the managing thing still, but he, he was such a naturally gifted athlete. If I said, okay, let's do this. He could do it. You know, especially when he was young.
0: Well, I think everybody listening to this hopes that he's the next great wrestling success story and uh, we're pulling for him. But it, it does make me wonder, as we've sort of laid out your track through wrestling so far, whether it was a manager or the early year of wrestling here. Could you have ever imagined yourself at that time ever being a babyface? You had strictly worked heel, right?
2: <laughs> hell no! <laughs> Who called him a babyface? Bring <laughs> <laughs> it, hell no! And I didn't want to be a babyface. It was too what much fun in a, and- a heel. Oh god. Yeah, I I told you, I did, I did Austin's podcast in December and he goes back and does a lot of research on his people and me and him. I've been on his show 10 times. Yeah. If he he runs out of a guest, D you got, you got an hour and a half. I'm like, when, right? 10 minutes. I got to get it. All right, let's go. You know, I always pop on. So we've talked about everything. But during that podcast, we talked about so many different things. And one of the things, he went back to the AWA and he watched me talking smack for Pat Tanaka, Paul Diamond, Medusa Michelli, um, uh, Colonel De Beers. um, And he was like, man, you had like this rap down before. I mean, it sounded like you've been doing it for years. And what really helped me was being in a nightclub business and being up on stage. And I'd do the hot legs contest and the lip sync contest and the wet t-shirt contest and the bikini contest. I got in the DJ booth. I did my stuff, you know, and there. And then I started cutting all my own commercials. So I could do it 30 seconds or 60 seconds. So it wasn't that hard just finding this character was just figuring out who the hell he was and as a heel way easier to get heat yeah. than it is to get people to cheer for you think about the guys who even sting was a heel when he was with warrior back in the day but sting's one of the few guys who've been a baby this whole damn time yeah ricky steamboat was he ever a heel i don't think no, so. no. i don't think so you know that but those are the only two guys because to really understand being a babyface, you have to be a heel. Because you know, like, stay down. No, sell. Because it doesn't mean anything if you don't sell. And you know, you know, just having the matches that I had in the beginning, I was always looking like I, I, like I stole a little piece, a lot from Jake, but I stole piece from Perfect. I stole piece from you know funk i can remember going over the ropes twisting myself falling into the the cables and pulling myself through the cables and getting myself hit go hit the turnbuckle fall over into the people getting back up all with wires all over me you know that was like terry funk stuff that i thought was just genius and you know a little piece of it i don't steal you know
0: So Jake, from your perspective, I think most everybody watching this remembers you mostly as a heel, but man, you had a babyface run. You were once tagging with Hogan Demolition and Demolition at Survivor series, and you've got to play a little bit of both, but you you chirped up right there. You really preferred playing the heel. What didn't you like about being a
2: babyface? Well, as a babyface, you're expected to do certain things, certain moves, uh, act a certain way, and make yourself available for people. But as a heel, you can go in any direction you want. You know, you can take a different perspective on everything and just go out there and take off. Uh, The people are going to hate you anyway, so go ahead and do it. But you know, you you talked about Survivor Series. Would you like to hear a good story on Survivor Series? Love to. I want to. All right, all right. You know, Survivor Series is a big deal because you got the partners right. Well, Vince came to me and he said, "Jake, I got this visual." what is it hold on guys that right? doing that eye thing again remember no uh, you can't see or not uh-uh. let's breathe that's blind wind on the side yep. go to see a neuro neuro neuro, neuro 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 neurological neurological neurologist neuro neuro neurologist i can't say i, that I can't do anything right now yeah just stay chill just chill we can, we can pause we sorry don't. guys no, i'm sorry all shit. good dude Just breathe man Just breathe oh fuck! don't worry about it don't worry oh, about God, it it's just you went away before yeah Close your eyes. Let's keep them closed. Right here, man. Mm. So can you can you keep the one eye closed and open the other one? Yeah. And you can see. And you see fine. If I open this one, I can't see from here down. It's coming back now. Okay. Just breathe. Just breathe. And you know, everything comes, comes everything down. And yeah, Paige got an appointment. My girl Paige uh, got an appointment with the neurologist. 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 I can't say. <laughs> yeah. He's got the problem, but I can't speak it. Okay. you think maybe because you leaned in like that and it's kind of like, no, I did see it coming on though. Felt it. Yeah. It started down here and it just slowly come up. Mm. I'm just glad it stops here. Yeah. It's back. Okay. Let's take a chill.
0: I thought you were doing an impression events. You said, I have a vision. And then when you stopped, we all leaned in thinking, Oh, this is going to be a yeah. good story. <laughs>
2: Oh, this is going to be a good
0: story. I think you've told me this one before about the jumbo snake.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. This is a good one.
2: Well, I haven't heard it. So I want to hear it. So go ahead.
0: Oh no. The audience hasn't heard it. We'll we'll take your time. We got all the time in the world, man. We're, we're doing what you want to do.
2: (sighs) Okay.
0: Right. Do you want to tell the old, uh, the, the story you told me once upon a time about the fans chanting DDT when you and Hogan were in the ring too.
2: Oh God. <laughs> yeah. The kiss of death. We'll <laughs> <laughs> I'll Tell that later. Uh-uh. Is it this snake I'll,
0: I'll throw it to you again and then you can okay. just pick it up.
2: All right. So, you know, survivor series is such a big thing that, I mean, WWF at the time. And, um, you know, I, I've done this change and now I'm going to be partnered partnered up with demolition and Hogan. We're going to make bro. That's where you want to be. Yeah. Vince comes to me. He goes, Jake, I got this vision. What's that? He goes, can you get a bigger snake? I'm like, Vince, some bitch I got's 120 pounds. I can't already carry anything else. See, people don't realize you carry that thing out to the ring. You're out of gas. Then at the end of the match, when you're really blown up, you got to carry it back, and it's out of the bag, man. Sometimes I barely made it. I'm, I'm telling I don't you, know. lots I, of times I, I barely made it. I don't know how you. Did. It was it was unbelievable, man. But anyway, he says, "Can you get a bigger snake?" I'm like, "I can hardly carry that." Way. He goes, "No, no. I want one so big that all four of you will carry." It. I'm like, "What do you mean?" He said, "Well, I want y'all to go to the ring with this huge ass snake, Hogan at the head." You're next, then demolition. Because that would be so great on camera. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute. Everybody's supposed to be afraid of the snake, and now these guys are going to be holding it too. It's kind of killing my gimmick, isn't it? Makes yeah. sense to me. Yeah, right. You know. Mm-hmm. So I started thinking about what the hell can I do. So I called my snake guy, Albert, who, by the way, is Charles Manson revisited <laughs> right. this guy. I'll tell you during the show, in the upcoming weeks, you're going to hear a lot about Albert. <laughs> Scary son of a bitch. <laughs> anyway, I said, Albert, they're wanting all four of us to carry the snake. Well, that's not good. Jake, nobody touches a snake, but you, I'm like, you're right, Albert. So how do we come back this? He goes, what do you think? I'm like. Can you get one that's so big that they can't do it? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Don't worry. I got the perfect snake. Oh, my God. So I go on to Cleveland. That's where it was at. And we're all, you know, before a show, they're, they're sending guys, they're timing guys walking from the back to the ring so they can get that figured in, you know, on the show. So Vince says, Jake says, uh, is Albert here? And I said, yeah, I seen him earlier. He goes, well, did did he bring the snake? I'm like, yeah, I think he did, but I don't know where it's at. And he goes, well, find him and let's get this thing done. So I go find Albert. He's hanging out in the rafters. Why? I don't know. (laughs) And I did not ask, but I brought him down. I said, where's the snake? And he goes, it's right there. I'm like, right where there? And he goes, in that crate. That crate? And the crate was like huge and it was like this deep, like four feet deep. I'm like, are you kidding me? He goes, it's massive. Well, Vince wants us to time it going to the ring. He goes, All right. Uh, we need a crowbar. So we got a crowbar. We start, Albert starts prying the top of it off. He gets about three-fourths of the way around, and all of a sudden, that damn top, which was huge, plywood, two-by-four-enforced, goes flying. And this friggin' snake comes out, and the head of it is this big around. Oh, my. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it comes up, and it just keeps going straight up in the air. Then it, it leans over. Albert runs over and leaps on it. Leaps on it. The snake picks him up and slaps him to the concrete. Are you serious? Albert's out. Yes. (laughs) Albert is out. Vince is screaming, my God, what is that? We're all running. 26 feet. Wow. 280 pounds. (laughs) Vince is screaming, get it back in the crate. Albert's out, Vince. <laughs> Nobody else is grabbing that son of a bitch. Oh, my God. And it took like four or five of us, man, to, to get a hold of it. I mean, Albert weighed like hundred, you know, 160 pounds. He's not a big guy. But that snake picked him up and slapped him to that concrete. Man. Wow. He could have swallowed one of us. That's how big he was. <laughs> Albert showed me a picture of a snake swallowing a horse, which yeah. I didn't think was possible. Wow. It is possible, but this snake was so massive. Mm. Now, the worst thing the snake did in the part that I loved was when snakes get scared, they shit everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not like turds. It's just a mist and a spray. Oh. Sort of like Kabuki did. Oh God. And if Thank that shit you. lands on you, you can't wash it off. It destroyed the back end of the freaking arena. And Vince was so freaking pissed, man. And I'm like, I didn't know it was that big, which I didn't. Mm-hmm. Truth, honest, trust me. <laughs> didn't hurt my gimmick. <laughs> but, Hulk, God.
0: but Hulk Hogan did not carry the snake to the ring.
2: No, sir. He didn't touch my snake. <laughs> I just find it hard to believe that Terry would ever have grabbed a big ass head of a snake. He wouldn't have year. grabbed that son of bitch. No, no I, I, wouldn't sh- I wouldn't either. Yeah. I wouldn't grab the head of it. Oh my God. Because when he opened his mouth, man, it was like this. You know, and you're seeing like rows of teeth and these weird-looking things in there. I ain't going in there. Mm. <laughs> Way in hell. That's a great story. But sometimes you gotta protect your gimmick, <laughs> folks. Yeah. At any cost <laughs>
0: and it's more fun to be the heel, especially if you're the yes, same sir. man,
2: it's a great time being the heel, unless, unless you're wrestling <sighs> Hogan yeah. and the fans like you more than they do him. You, know, you were the first, you were the first real anti-hero, right? Yes. Like Clint right. Eastwood yes. was up in the movies, yeah. but you were in our game. Well, it, here's the thing about fans they kids love the fact that mom and dad cringe when that damn snake came out mm-hmm. mom's over there freaking out dad's going all ah, right son of a bitch i should him," you know and these kids are like yeah <laughs> yeah i wish i had a snake i'd scare the piss out of mom and dad you know and i don't know how many times that happened but uh you know whenever i got the opportunity to, to go with hogan man oh my god phoenix arizona we're going to do a snake pit and,
0: uh, 87, we'll maybe pit.
2: you think? Yeah. Something like that. Okay. I can't, brother, I can't remember. I ain't gonna bullshit. You. Sure. I can remember what happened. Yeah. It wasn't good, but, uh, we did a thing on the snake pit and he's talking about, and I'm like, Hey, don't you, what do you think of my Python? And he's like, well, the biggest pythons in the world are right here, you know, and he does his shit. And You
1: know,
2: it went on. I'm like, well, next week we'll have a tape measure. We'll see who's got the biggest pythons. So the next week they've got a weight set up out there for Hogan to pump up with. So we measure his arm and it was a a gimmick tape. (laughs) 21. I measure the snake. 21 and a half. So Hogan lays down on the bench, starts working out. Measure again. 21 and a half. It's the same as the same. goes, brother, these pythons are going to pump up a little bit more. And he starts to work out again. Well, I'm pissed off. Right. So I kibosh him. DDT on the set, which had the same result that it did with Steamboat. Split his skull. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, He's laying there bleeding. And I walk off the set. I walk off the set to the back and Vince grabs me and hugs me. Oh, Jake, this is going to be magnificent. Oh, God, the money you guys are going to make. All right. And I'm sitting there going, finally, finally my dream, man. It's happening. God, thank you, Jesus. Oh, my God. is that? I'm pissing myself. I'm so happy. And he says, stay right here with me. I'm like, what well, for? He goes, no no, 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 wait. He said, the people, they'll start chanting, honk, honk. Hulk, and he's going to come to his feet. He'll rip his T-shirt off, and he'll scream, beat his chest. He'll come looking for you. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about going straight to the bank with all this. Jake, thank you. And he shakes my hand. we stand there. And we stand there. Then Ben starts to look around like, what the hell is going on? He looks out. Hogan's waiting for the people to start chanting. The people did. They started chanting. DDT, DDT. one You're screwed. What do you mean right. I'm screwed? <laughs> he goes, that's not what we want. Right. I'm like, well, You know, you, you give it a shot. Check, you know. So they give it a couple of shots. They, they sent us to Portland, Maine. Sold out. Set the record in the building. Went to Montreal, sold out in which it hadn't been sold out in years there before, sold it out, turned them away. Now, these are no cameras, right? No cameras. Right. Okay. And here's what happened in the matches. DDT. This is, that's it. No more. What do you mean? No more. We're sold out. We turn away people. He goes, I don't give a damn. That's not what it's about. How much better can you get than a sellout? But the WWE didn't care about sellouts. It's all about marketing. Yeah. That's where the money's at. Vince used to say he didn't give a shit how many people came to the building because the marketing's where he makes his money. And that was it. They cut that program right then and there. And then they decided, well, we can't have Jake as a baby face. We got to turn him back heel and they did what I considered impossible, but it's not where you change two people at the same time.
1: Mm.
2: When honky-tonk hit me with that guitar, he was a baby face. I was the heel. He hit me with a guitar. He turned heel and I became a baby face. At the same time, which is just, it's crazy. It's crazy. How do you do that? By selling and keeping people's emotions tied to that character. The snake thing has made me so much money. I, I might've been a, a pretty damn good restaurant. I might've been great on the interviews, but that damn snake made my career. Hmm. It made my career. Without that, that snake. the DDT, that and the DDT was yeah. great. That snake still keeps me out there selling product. Yeah. Because that snake is something those kids identify with. Sure. And mom and dad squirm. (laughs) Now, who out there does not want to scare the shit out of their parents? We all did for one reason or another. But fans, I just want you to know how bad you effed me. And he you he cost did. me money. He still hasn't dropped it up, 5 yet. You call me millions, you fucking asshole. <laughs> oh, <man>. <laughs> there <laughs> it is. <laughs> you cost me millions. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for costing me millions because I don't bone that on drugs, too. Yeah, right. You know, God <laughs> you bless would. you fans. You wouldn't the be damaged. You yeah. screwed the shit out of me <laughs> oh, more than that bill. Watts ever thought about doing
0: <laughs> specifically the fans in Tucson, Arizona. In my research, I found this taping happened on December 10th, 1986. There were four episodes of wrestling challenged recorded that day. And they aired on December 21st, December 28th, January 4th and January 11th. Mysteriously. All of those episodes had a snake pit except January fourth. Who was the guest that day? Hulk Hogan. And no one can explain why that footage was never seen. But now you know the real story. So that's
2: it. It was shown in two markets. That's that's the kind of stuff you're going to be uh, find out listening to DDP. Hey, you pit. know what I'm surprised about, man. At least I hit the right state. Maybe not the right city. <laughs> you hit the right I state in Phoenix, but I didn't get the right state. So I'm getting closer. That's good. That's, good. That's progress folks. <laughs>
0: it is indeed. Uh, let's talk about some progress. Uh, going back to you, Dallas, we talked a little bit about how when Jake's gone from WCW, you're going to start to be in a tag team, the Vegas connection, you and Vinny Vegas. And, um, of course we know he goes on to become diesel. He becomes a world champion. And then he helps create the magic of the NWO that we still talk about to this day, but boy talk about humble beginnings. He was a master blaster. Then he was Oz. Then he was Vinny Vegas and much like, well, you,
2: hold on, hold on, hold on, Connie. Before he wrestled, he worked Mr. X he worked at my father in laws strip club. Oh yes. He, was they, a bouncer. he No, no. He actually ran, he ran he, the, uh, it. he ran, he was the day manager. At the cheetah, uh, the cheetah, the, the, uh, and crazy how things just keep running into each other. Man. Yeah, man. Uh, great. And we were both, we were both nightclub guys, which there's right. you know, always something that me and Kevin. I shouldn't have interrupted you there. Go ahead. No, that was great. though. No, it that is great. Great side note. Brings
0: there. it back together. You know, uh, but you guys have something I, I, else. I, and- I
2: never, I never was at the cheetah though. Really? <laughs> <laughs> the first time I went to the cheetah, I was with Raven. And when I walked in there, this is 1991, it looked like they shook a Playboy in a penthouse and the girls just fell in the bar. Oh they were God, the most beautiful women
1: man. I they have ever seen. some of them.
2: They were, it was it was unbelievable to me. Well, that police, and, say, police seated, what, 1500, <laughs> 1800, something like that. It was, and it had the number two restaurant in the city during the Olympics. Yeah. And a strip that, club. That piece of property that it's on is worth fifty-seven million dollars. Oh my gosh! This area, yes, it's crazy. the only piece of property in a four-block square that Coca-Cola does not own. Now they're negotiating with my lovely ex-wife. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <sighs> But
2: She's going to kill me for saying that. Please take that out. <laughs> we will. Please take that yeah, out. She we will. will cut my nuts off yeah. for that. <laughs> if you never want to see me again, play that. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that it won't be there. I'll anyway. mark that. So back to, uh, yeah, and it, um, yeah. One of the reasons why the boys went to so many strip joints is because they don't even go and we wouldn't get bothered anywhere yeah. near as much. Yeah, that's the whole thing. See, if you go on a strip joint, a guy's coming up there bugging you, he's got a real problem. Yeah, it's, it's like, A real problem. There's naked Are women kept, everywhere. There's naked women everywhere, and yeah. you're going to talk to me? Is my fly undone or what? You know, yeah. you're checking your own stuff out. No, but they they protected you because they just want you to spend money. Yeah. yeah. And we went there because we wanted just to be left alone. Just chill out, you know. Not that we were ever left alone. Yeah. Well, that's a different well, story.
0: Well, Jake, I've heard a lot of wrestlers over the years sort of equate uh, stand up comedians, um, female adult stage artists, if you will, and professional wrestlers. They have sort of a similar lifestyle, right? You work in clubs, oh, you're working clubs, you're trying to portray yeah. a gimmick, you're trying to get over, you're trying yeah. to, you know, generate some revenue, tell a story, right?
2: And oh. you're not really that person. Right. You know, it's it's a persona that you've uh, put out there, and uh, you know, hey, if if I'd have been a, a woman, I would have I'd have been a stripper. Probably wouldn't have made any money, but no. I would have tried. <laughs> Actually, actually, I did wind up on the stage at the Cheetah one night, with or without the snake. What? Yep, nude. Yep, yep. Scary After side. WrestleMania, uh, we won't go into that story. Yeah, okay, well. <laughs> my wife would cut my nuts on one too, because she wound up there, too. <laughs> okay, so those two stories are gone. Yeah. Right? So let's let's get out of this great yeah, school. Okay, bottom sorry. The bottom line is that's why you know, a lot of the you know, boys end up in strip charts, because they don't get bothered as much. Yeah, and, you're safe. Yeah, and we just could have a few drinks, talk to a few girls, and move on to the next town. Yep. And then it would always be like when you're going to the next town, like what is the best place that you would want to go out? Because back in our day, man, we we drank a lot, you know, and uh, in New York City, you could go to a nightclub because you know, New York City. But you went to most places, you couldn't go into a bar or a nightclub, and just uh, the people would just be all over you. And there's always some lady in there, or some woman that the husband's about half drunk, and he's she's like, "Oh, those wrestlers are so cool. I watch them on TV." "Oh, honey, they ain't nothing. I'll show you." Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, well,
2: and there's no win in a bar fight.
0: No. So, so Dallas, much like you, uh, a lot of folks didn't believe in Kevin Nash and WCW, but Vince McMahon did. And I I can't help, but wonder, did it ever cross your mind in in 94 or 95 when you think you're ready, but WCW doesn't, did it cross your mind about, Hey, what's possible working with Vince?
2: A hundred percent as a matter of fact that that story i told you about i think it was last week or week before uh and i was talking about where hulk walked you know as i on that german tour yeah he pulled me aside and he one of the things he, he had said you know like i think we could draw you know huge money together before he walked away i said well hulk i go that that would be amazing i said but Yeah, I'm at the end of it right now, man, you know, because these guys don't see it in me. They don't think I'm ever going to be anything. One of my best friends is Kevin Nash. And so we used to tag together. We stay in contact. You know, I've been, you know, been talking to him about maybe me coming up there and asking for my release. And that night I'm walking to the bus and as I'm going up the stairs, uh, Hulk called me Diamond all the time. Yeah, Diamond, come here. And I walked in and it was him and Eric because Eric was on the tour. And he said to Eric, He said, You know, I know you guys are buddies, everybody knows. Uh, but the bottom line is, I know you're not in the whole nepotism thing helping out. But this guy, I really believe somewhere down the line, him and I could draw huge money together. Being a friend can help, or can hurt. Yeah. You know, and, and at the time it was hurting him. Yeah, and he, he Eric talked about it when he inducted me. He said I he, I had to work two times harder. It was more like five times harder. Yeah, it was. You know, and I my last the only time I ever got paid in that company, I didn't negotiate with her. I went to Harvey Schuler, and they really wanted me, you know, to stay. And I was in that spot, and my whole life would have been really different if I didn't. I'm glad I did what I did because everything. Has a purpose to put me where I am today, so I wouldn't change anything along that level. But Bish, you know, he knew it was harder on me, you know, and he went to the he went to the booking committee and he told them what Hulk said. The next day, he showed up in my living room. You know, we're having a couple beers, and he said, All right, "I I got to tell you this." He said, "I brought the you know." this to the booking committee. I told him what Hulk said. They don't see it. And he said, what you should do. Let me give you your release. Wow. You go to New York, you get over the way, you know, you're gonna, cause you're going to make it happen. You come back here. You got a job with me for life. Cause me and him have a really storied, you know, story history together. You know, how we got together, pull-apart fight. Like, we... we how Bish we, we, got, got his break. Right. You know, helping him get get the job. Um, we have a real oh, yeah. long story together. And we were best friends. And he said, you go up there, you get over, and I'll be able to, you know, give you what you want coming back. And you'll always have a job here. That's a lot to ask. And, <laughs> and I said to him, I said... You know, that whole booking committee, I said, I'll tell you what, Jody Hamilton said I was going to be a top guy. Jake Roberts said I was going to be a top guy. Uh, Hulk, um, Dusty Rhodes said I was going to be a top guy. And now Hulk Hogan says I'm going to be a top guy. I said, I'll tell you what, bitch, I ain't going nowhere because you ain't made no new stars here. I'm going to stay here and I'm going to get over and I'm going to shove my fist so far up that booking committee. When I move my fingers, their mouth moves. That became like, I was so dialed in then I was so dialed in that I didn't care what the booking committee thought I, I was going to see this through and I was going to do it here. And again, when you've got the support of top names of all time, and they see it, doesn't matter who else doesn't see it. You just got to keep working and keep putting that real work in that most people don't do, and you will finally get there. And that's how driven I was at that moment. But I thought about going, for sure. And he also had to be smart about the things they were giving him. I remember he came to me one time and they showed me something on TV that they were doing. I said, brother, they're mm. fixing to pull it out from under you and they're gonna leave you looking like a friggin' fool. Let me let me tell you exactly what happened, because Bish had called me up because they're gonna give me this opportunity. And because <clears throat> he had squawked, they're finally gonna give it to him. They're gonna give me an opportunity. And I told Jake, <clears throat> and Jake said, here's what's gonna happen. They're gonna put you in an angle with someone who means nothing. And I don't care how good you pull it off, it will mean nothing. And then you will end up saying, they'll be able to say, look, we gave him his chance. Didn't draw. And he didn't draw. I go, well, wait a second. What if the angle's really good? He goes, you don't get it. Here's the here's here's what has to happen. He goes, I'm going to give you an example. Who's Robert Goldman? I said, the guy OJ killed. He said, exactly. Do you think you would know Robert Goldman if his neck was slashed by Alan Funt? Like, no, it had to be someone really big, someone who's really over. And OJ is that guy. So you're going to know everything that happened around OJ. You've got to be, it's got to be someone who means something. And if you take it back to where did it all happen with the NWO, and that's all my idea, of me dropping, put, getting, asking to put the shirt on, and me telling them what. You two guys, you're like my boys, and what happened? You're asking me now, number six. What happened to number three, or four? Disrespect. You know, you know, now you want me? How about no? And and I said to Kev originally when I brought it to him. I said, and you do just like you do if you told me you wanted me to do something, and I you know, had an attitude because my nose was turned the wrong way. You would say, Oh, let Dally, he'll get over it. You know, <laughs> he'll get over it. And then I had him come back again, I said. And then the third time I put the shirt on. Friggin', you know, you turn your back, we hug. I freaking. Scott Hall high-fives me when he pulls away. I pull him in, hit him in the cutter, and you go over the top rope. I take off through the people. Actually, it was Eric Bischoff's idea that I took off through the people. That was brilliant. Time. Yeah, that was brilliant. Bisch saw a lot of things in me. Like, before that, he had made me... I had so many gimmicks. I was doing them all at the same time. <laughs> spitting the gum. Good God. Yeah, all, I mean, everything. And trying to find out who this guy was But the reality was, and Bischoff saw this as it was starting to make sense coming towards the NWO, and that hadn't happened yet. But he was like, lose the gum, lose the glasses. And I'll never forget the night in Atlanta, and we're at the Phillips Center, and we're sold out. We're getting white hot. And this is around the end of 96, going to '97. And he walked up to me. I was about to walk out there playing play my music. He goes, lose the cigar. I go, come on, man. I really smoke the cigar. We smoke them all the time. They're bad like, for you, Dallas. Lose the cigar. <laughs> and I took it and I flicked it. I walked out. I got my biggest pop ever. had nothing to do with the cigar, but he was right. And the more I just became myself, you know, and stopped trying to be the over-the-top wrestling before. You don't have to be over the top. Yeah, you no, don't. you just got to be yourself amped up. up. And what happened was I told Kevin the idea, you know, about me dropping them. And he was like, I love it. Go tell Bischoff. I go, I tell a bitch off. I got to tell Scott he's taking the cutter. He goes, dude, you don't think he wants to help you? You created his gimmick. You got him a job when his wife was pregnant. You know, he, no one would call him back. You don't think he wants to repay you. Plus we need baby faces. You're a baby face that you just are. It's who you are. And I went and told Scott, I said, I got to tell Scott first. He goes, I love it. Go tell Bishop. I said, I ain't telling him shit. You know, I go, we'll let the big man tell him. And we went to, um, we went, everyone was so great about nitros. Cause you got the work from eight to 11. And then we went to the bar right in the hotel we were at. And we'd watch from 11 to 2. We'd watch the show. It was awesome. And that's where Kev brought it up. And Bix kind of like, oh, I don't know, you know. And, And Scott Hall said something like, you know, everybody knows you guys are buddies, man. He goes, being your friend. Is not a good thing. Oh, sir. You know, I don't know how much longer I want to stay here. And I just look at Scott. He said something like that. And Bish goes, You're right. Let's do it. And that was something that people faith. You know, it was like, Wow, this is going to happen. And we started it. And we got those first couple of weeks in, and then I was supposed to drop them, but that's when Piper was coming in with all the bagpipes Ugh. and they said, we don't want this to get lost on the show. That's true. And they, I said, sure, let's change it. It changed eight weeks in a row. And you'd have to look that up, uh, uh, you know, because you're the guy who really knows – does all the, uh, timelines Conrad. Well, as we're Uh,
0: talking Dallas, this uh, is the 25th anniversary this month that happened on January 13th, 1997. So how about that for timing 25 years ago, this month, as we're talking is when that whole angle happened at the Superdome.
2: Wow. And they put it off and put it off and put it off. And then finally I I went to Sully and I was like, Sully, if this ain't gonna happen, just tell me, cause I'll just, I'll just ask for my release i'll go i'll go i'll go to new york i'll get a tryout you know and and so he goes no it's gonna happen it's gonna happen and uh we did it in new orleans and that was our first dome show and thirty three thousand people there man and when i put that shirt on it sucked it sucked the air out of the building because they were like not you like, not you, too. You were the last hope. Yeah, right? You were. You were the last hope. And it, it, what, was really, what really enabled it all to happen was Stinger going up into the rafters. He ran. He, he got out of there. He was like, I can see this writing on the wall. I paid my dues. I carried this company. I'm going to take a powder. And Scott Hall was the one who came up with the whole crow. Look, it was Scott that came up with that. And, uh, man, when I dropped those guys, man, that, that's, that, that put me on a rocket and like something that I couldn't have foreseen. And then Randy wanting to work with me, that's, that changed my life. 97 was
0: your year, man. Can you tell
2: him how you felt that moment when you dropped him
0: and the the crowd pops and erupts.
2: I feel like I run through a brick wall. Yeah, I mean, the the adrenaline of that. And Scott wanted to do it. You know, it was... Oh, yeah. Those, the those guys, done, they've man. been beating up people for a year and a half. Everybody. Spray <laughs> painting them, doing all Everybody. sorts of Everybody. And I knew I, I would be... <laughs> get my ass kicked moving forward. But that moment was great. And I just turned... How I talk to the people, to the NWO, he didn't change. I didn't change. See, that's the key. That's the key right there. When you're a heel and you turn baby face, don't change what you do or who you are. Just direct it to the other party and not the fans. I can give you, I mean, I love the guy to death, but Lex Luger, God bless you, son. One week he would go down to the ring and he'd be snarling and looking at people they had turned him baby face. And the next week he's running the ring, high-fiving people killed it. Oh, he killed still, got over, but not still like, got over, but not like he should have. Yeah, he was, he was, he was a juggernaut. Oh yeah. He was, he was awesome, but <laughs> you don't change who you are. You just redirect what you're doing to the people to the other person. That's all you do. You still go out there and pull the hair or kick a guy or throw a snake on him or whatever, because the people want to see you take that guy and direct it to the, these others and right. make them suffer. Austin, same thing. Austin didn't change yep. at all. None. That's right. You can't. If you do, you, you, you've wasted it. You've wasted it.
0: What well, Dallas, your story is, uh, Really one of perseverance. And when we go back to, you know, after seeing Jake's WCW run coming to an end in ninety two, yours did too. But really nobody talks about that. I think you were working with the what would become the Godwins and you tore your rotator cuff and you found yourself oh, out of a job. Tell us how that happened.
2: Got it. It was, you know, working with the Godwins and passenger. I knew from when I worked with Dusty in Florida Championship Wrestling. So with him with and uh with uh um, sweet guy. Yeah, great guy. Him in uh, Shanghai. And Shanghai. Shanghai was 300-plus six, six, pounds, and thick, like a you know, like just corn fed strong boy. And what I had done, uh, the finish was supposed to be a four-way, and I threw him in the ropes and I went to give him an elbow and I laid in with those big some bitches and what happened is when Shanghai came off, he didn't come off. He came here, hit the rope, but I think I was too close when I hit him. So when he came off, his shoulder was forward, and I went to blast him, and it was like someone shot me in the shoulder. I, I, I the only thing I could, could equate it to, I broke my shoulder. You know, I went down. And I was dying. Unbelievable. And I just, I go, Shanghai, broke my shoulder, bro. Don't touch me. Tagging Tex. And I started rolling the cab. I go, don't come back. Don't come back to me. I broke my shoulder. I pull myself up on the ropes. And here comes Tex. (laughs) And he's running (laughs) as fast as he can (laughs) run. That 300-pound body. And he hit me up going, No! I got hit. I go to the floor. Oh, oh my God. God! Kevin does a job. Friggin', he comes out, picks me up, carries me. He goes, "You're really hurt." You? I go, Ugh. "Really hurt." So I go to the back, and Mick Foley is working with us still. And Cactus, as I always like to call, him, comes up to me. He goes, "You're hurt." I go, "Really hurt?" He goes, he "Goes. Let me see you move your arm." That was. It's all I could do. He goes. You tore your rotator cuff. I go, no. He goes, yeah, that's where you, rot- you tore your rotator cuff. So I was saying, like, for Grizz was his dad. He drove me back to Atlanta. It was two agents on a deal. He drove me. Just in the car hurt. It was like so Breathing. painful. I go to see the doctor's. The doctors look at me. Then they bring in two more doctors. They look at me and they go, we think you got a bone bruise. I go, Shit. a bone bruise? Yeah, we want you to go get the, the, the dye in your shoulder. Oh, that feels good. So I go and I get that extra. They come back to go, yeah, you got a bone bruise. So should be okay in about 10 days. Seven days, I can't move my arm. Oh, I'm down the, I'm at Lex's gym and I'm... On the stair on the stairmaster. You know, at least I gotta keep keep my cardio going and whatever. And I told Lex and he was like, dude, go see Dr. Bill Armstrong. I go see Dr. Bill Armstrong. He looks at it, he goes, You're You told your rotator cuff. I go, that's what Cactus Jack said. <laughs> so he's a great doctor, Jack, uh, so. <laughs> so I literally, you know, I went down because I want to get fixed as soon as possible, but if I'm not gonna be fixed by the time my contract's up.
0: Do you remember what town out. that was in? Was that in Hartsville, Alabama?
2: Yes. It was in Alabama. And when you say Hartsville, I wouldn't have remembered that, but it was in Alabama. I thought it was Ashland, but Hartsville, that sounds right.
0: Hartsville, Alabama but, had 150 fans in the crowd that night. Yes. The day it was, before it yeah, started
2: even worse. That. that was, I can remember in those days being on a card with the man. Rick Flair on top, Luger, Sting, Warriors, and being in a like Charlotte Coliseum, and drawing seven hundred people.
0: Yeah,
2: like these are the biggest names in the world, but it just wasn't hot right then. Yeah, because wrestling, yeah. as you know, is so cyclical. Yeah, you know, yeah. and uh you know, I can remember you know wrestling in front of you know as. WCW, 150. You, know, you talk about your injury, the shoulder, the way it felt. Right. I was in Philadelphia, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, wrestling Andre the Giant. Oh, my God. And I hit him with a clothesline. Okay? I ran at him. He stepped in, and when he stepped in, it was a little too far, and it ripped my pec in half. Wow. I went down. I thought I'd broke my shoulder, like you say. (laughs) I couldn't believe how much pain I was, but it's fixed to get a whole lot worse. Oh, my God. Because Andre, God bless you, Mr. God, you were the best. Still on. Reached down with one of his big paws, grabbed my hand, and jerked me to my feet. At which time, I passed out. (laughs) Oh, my God. When I woke up, Andre's got me in a bear hug, and he's whispering in my ear, you okay, you okay. I got you. I got you. I'm like, God, no, I can't. He goes, yes, you okay. You stay. You stay. I'm going to ring the bell. He's, don't ring the bell. No, no, no. Just hold on. He rocked me and rocked me. I got in the car after that show, drove to Scranton, Pennsylvania that night and wrestled Andre again. Torn back in half. But in those days, man, we didn't have contracts that paid you off, Mm. you know? And, uh, the bruising went away after about 10 days. I still got a hole in my chest because I I didn't have insurance. I didn't get it fixed that. And I was too job scared to take the time off. Right. And you were making money. And yeah, exactly. How do you walk away from 10 grand a week? Well, it's pretty damn hard. (laughs) I can remember that was filmed. I don't mean to
0: cut you off Dallas, but you can go find that. It's December, December 17th, 1988. Uh, at the Philadelphia spectrum, it was on the prism network. So throw it in your Google machine, December 17th, 1988. And you can see Jake Harris pack against Andre, the Giant in the main event, no less, and yep. he's exactly right. They ran th- four. they ran check out how, how crazy the schedule was back then. I don't mean to derail yep. us on no, the it, 17th of December, on. 1988, you had a matinee show in Philadelphia, and then you had an evening show in Scranton, Pennsylvania. But yep. there was another crew that night that ran Louisville, yep. Kentucky. And there's another crew that night that ran Oakland and Los Angeles. There were five WWF shows shows on the same day. That's unbelievable. Six. Six.
2: Wow. Two two for each crew.
0: Bananas. When you think about it, it's, it really is. When you think about what you're doing to your body physically, plus the travel. And these aren't small Uh, men. These are large individuals traveling hundreds of miles between the shows. And there's. All that many shows on a single day. That's how hot wrestling was in 88.
2: And catching two flights. And when you're on the bottom of the card, there's four of you in a mid-sized car. Yeah. And you're driving a hundred or two hundred or three hundred miles. Just remember when you drove an hour and a half somewhere and got out of the car like, oh god. Yeah, right. And you got a regular life, you know. Like brutal, like, and that's the difference between the guys of today, you see, who are so beat up from the journey, and the guys from the guys who are working today, where they're going to be, they're hitting way harder, but they did a different level of hard, yeah. you know, two shows a Saturday and a Sunday. And you know, they they're work, they're working one show a week. Yeah, <laughs> ninety three straight days is yeah my record. Yeah, and I remember in 97, 98 I probably worked. There was I, I had two hundred and seventy two days in one oh. year. Plus, I did which is nothing compared to what you did. No. But I was doing a Tonight Show and all. Well, I was doing as I was home thirty two days that year. You know, because I was when I, you had to ride that tsunami. Yeah, you know, and when you're riding it, you got to hit it.
0: I I want to put in context what we're talking about here. Imagine if we, you know, we've talked a lot about football off air here as a group, can you imagine if an NFL team had a matinee game and then a night game on the same day in another town, Uh, it sounds make believe, but I'd like to collect their check. and And Jake back then, you know these were different rings than what the guys are using these days, especially yeah. in the w w f They had a reputation as being the land of the giants, and we've heard guys like Sean Waltman describe that ring as a smaller man now. it was concrete. there was yeah, no give was. in those rings right
2: we used to we used to joke that the that taking a bump outside was easier on you <laughs> <laughs> it was concrete <laughs> go figure that out. Uh. Yeah. So,
0: so Dallas okay. to pull it back around, you know, after you tear your rotator cuff, it's not too long. And you find yourself out of a job in WCW. How does that happen?
2: I had to go in and see bill Watts and I knew bill was going to let me go. I mean, I just, <laughs> you know, I'm 36 years old, you know, I've, I've been working. And you're hurt. Yeah. And maybe I've been working six or seven months at that, by that time, I'm not exactly sure the timeline, but I know that, um, He's going to let me go. And I said to him, I said, uh, I said, listen, Bill, I know you're going to let me go. Uh, So I'm going to save you that and tell you that I want my release. And um, I'm going to, you know, going to go up and work with uh, Cornette and I'm going to work with Jake on the road. Uh, I'm going to do independence and I'm going to come back and you're going to want me to come back. And I don't see Bill Watts, until he goes into the hall of fame and I am in the green room and I hear diamond Dallas page. And I didn't even recognize cowboy because he leaned up so much and he came up and he went kid. Oh, and he put me over huge. What I, you said you were going to do, you put the work in, he goes, I, I got to tell you, I didn't see it coming, but man, you made a believer out of me. And I was like, wow, thanks, Bill. <laughs> you know, and, you know, I, I, I don't have the same relationship that Jake had with him. I didn't really have a good relationship when I was there with him. But afterwards, you know, Cowboy, you know, he was really, you know, we talked. And uh, I was okay with him and everything, you know. And plus, I love his son. so.
0: And, and, and we should mention the dream didn't end. You come back December 3rd, 1993 in Dalton, Georgia of all places. Do you remember who your opponent was that night Dallas, when you got back with WCW
2: God, God, no,
0: <laughs> maybe this name rings a bell. Scott Demore.
2: Oh my God. <laughs> wow, Scotty, you know, that's, I will guarantee you that as young as Scott was then, you know, that I, I I had a competitive match with him. I guarantee I went out there and and had a, a good match with him because he was he reminded me a lot of Raven when it came to you know understanding the business. And now look at him, you know he's he's running Impact, and uh, that's pretty cool, man. Uh, yeah, I always I always like Scotty. Good guy.
0: That same taping is where you did that whole fishbowl idea that we talked about a few episodes ago. And right, I, I think right. this episode is really all about your shirt. The shirt you're wearing today says unstoppable. And, and this time of year, you've got something pretty cool going on. The positively unstoppable million dollar challenge. What's going on with that Dallas.
2: Man, that's something that, uh, this is really cool. Yeah. Steve, you came up with this uh, idea off of the book that I wrote a couple of years ago, positively unstoppable. And it was giving people um, a chance to over a year, not even 10 months, from January to the end of October, you could have six months of your best transformation. You start January 1st, it ends uh, June 31st or 30th, whatever the end of June. If you start in February, it ends in July and so forth. And you've got six months to... uh, You know, not just change your life, but really teach you how to own your life. And so no one gets in it for the money because you really can win a million bucks. Like third place uh, got last year, five thousand. And I couldn't pick. It was only supposed to be first, second and third. Last year, third place was supposed to get five grand. Second place was supposed to get 10 grand. and First place gets 25 grand guaranteed. But there's 100 Positively Unstoppable Books. And out of it, you could pull one that's got twenty five in it, or it has a million dollars. I couldn't pick three people this year, so I picked six, and I added a tie for second and gave them both five grand, and a tie for fourth, and I gave them both twenty five hundred. So it cost me an ex- personally, an extra ten thousand dollars because I couldn't pick, like I could not have this group of people were so amazing, not just their physical transformation, their mental transformation. Then it came down to what, how they documented their journey, and then what they did before and after the contest. Like, how did they continue on this journey that they're on? And I tell you, the kid who won last year, uh, well, just won for for this year for, for nineteen for twenty twenty one. His name is. Um, uh, Tan, I can't, can't remember his first name, Brian. Brian Tan. This guy goes from 390 pounds to 220 pounds. Not over six months. He lost 100 pounds going into the contest. Then over the contest, he lost another 60. And then after the contest, he lost another 10. I mean, to see his transformations, unbelievable. But so many of the people who get in this journey, like he didn't get into it to win money. He got into it looking for hope and being a part of this journey that we put people on. And last year we had uh, like five or 6,000 people enter this year. I'm sure it's going to double that. And we're restructuring everything in the contest because we, there's so many of the people who are winners, yeah. you know, just because they get in it and they, they get a part. If you go to positively, Steve, was it PositivelyUnstoppable.com? PositivelyUnstoppable.com. You can see everything there. And if you put the work in, I guarantee you, you just don't change your life. You start owning your life. And it's something we're really proud of. This is our fourth year doing it. So uh, it's been really, really successful all the way around. You know, when you have the opportunity to have people believe in you, and have people encourage you and have people cheer you on. It's, uh, it's crazy what you can do. You know, uh, I gained so much, not just in getting myself sober and clean, but I came a much, much, much different person, you know, and, uh, the guy today. I love, I love who I've become man, because I'm, I'm kind, I'm thoughtful gracious uh, yeah me Crazy. i don't know i know just recently got introduced over the last couple of years to my one of my closest people on the planet to me uh like coming out well, we got together 20 30 years ago whatever the hell it was god 35 years ago you know different people and we grow and we change. And Jake, as he's going through this journey, has changed me. You know, it made you as you get one of the beautiful things about getting older is you get if you take it in and put the work in, you get more enlightened just to what life is about. Yes. You know, and what real life's about. Yeah. And, and And what real love is. What real love is. Now, that's that's a beautiful thing. And that's one of the reasons why when you know, we came to Conrad, you know, Jake had come to me and said, I really wanna do a podcast with you. Yeah, I think it would be great. I go, well, the only way we're gonna do it is we gotta do it with Conrad. And he's like, he goes, yeah, I love Conrad. I said, well, let me see if he's got the time. God, he's got so many damn podcasts. And when I called him and told him, he was like, dude, I love this. He goes, plus this will be so different. You know, because we are all about the positive message, you know, and, you know, helping people enlighten themselves. Yeah. And that's really, when you join a Positively Unstoppable contest, every single person who puts the work in is winner. Yeah. Because that's what you came there for. And some of the people, like two years ago, all four people that ended up, because I couldn't pick three then either, they were... Like, so unbelievably different, and like who they are today, and how they help people. And all of a sudden, this dark, dark, dark place you live in isn't so dark, and it has light, and it has hope, and, and it has joy, and it just gives people a whole Ooh. different way of life. Ooh.
0: Check it out positivelyunstoppable.com. And speaking of unstoppable, so are the spades. We're talking all things heels. We talked oh about episode God. one last week, uh, I episode, love the ending. yeah. Let's pick it up where we left off. Jake. What'd you think of, uh, kayfabe? I love
2: the ending of one. So Rachel, before, before before we say this, I, if you didn't hear and you want to hear, like, if you're not watching the show, if you're not watching heels on stars, then Go and watch episode one. Come back to this because we're this is where it's a spoiler alert, yeah. Because we're going to talk about what happened in episode one you know, what we didn't like and what we did like, especially into the finish. And then we go into episode two. We won't talk about the end of it, we'll talk about that next week. So, just so you know how it goes. So, if you keep watching now, spoiler alert, you know, pay attention if you want. You know, at the end of episode one, we had. Hey, he's fixing to leave his brother's company, man, and the family, and the fans, and everybody, and go to the big show. He's coming um, the the big nugget. Yeah, the big not everybody the, carrot, one, the nugget. They dangled I, it in front of him. And, I got, I got, I got to dig. I got dig in this. How many independent wrestling companies? Dylan runs yeah, our bus. Yeah, one of our yeah. close buddies runs a great company. Dylan Frymire runs. Um, S H W Southern honor wrestling with another good buddy of ours who works here, Nathan Mowry and rich from Fozzie is also another owner of the company. And the bottom line is they are running an unbelievable little territory. Every month they do their shows and it builds all time. So this is a company down in Georgia that this they're doing in the show heels and to get a shot to go to the show, whether it's AEW make it or to WWE, make it to that spot, Impact Wrestling, you know, ROH, getting a shot to get out of the independent world and come to a show and be in that spot, that's a really big deal. Huge. But, he doesn't want to do the job. Well, we've seen that happen before, haven't we, Brett? You and Sean, <laughs> right? Huh? <laughs> The screw job. What a load of shit that was. And I okay, say it, Brad. I say it because I love both of those guys, but you cannot let the the inmates run the asylum. And uh that's what's happened here, you know. And uh the brother doesn't say too much about it. They have a little uh face-off right before they go to the ring. Yeah, try choke to strangle off. each other. <laughs> Typical of brothers. And I don't mean that as blood brothers, just brothers in wrestling. I mean, it's happened a lot. And they get in the ring, and uh, the brother decides he's got to take the bull by the horns. And uh, that's what happened, Brett. I mean, uh, uh, Ace. (laughs) He took it by the horns, and he dumped him on his head and hooked the arm and bent it far enough back that he's about to break it, and he had to let it go. And left him a crying mess in the middle of the ring, which was hugely humiliating and, uh, not a good send off. And that's the way to show it. I love that ending because God, how many doors does that open for the next show? Yeah. Well, the next show comes up and we're still dealing with the repercussions of this, the family's up in arms, the people in town are up in arms. They're laughing at ACE. He's being humiliated even more. He's ready to end his life, basically. And, uh, you know, in real, in, in our world, you have to trust your opponent, man, with your life and your body every time you step into that ring. So there's a lot of things that could happen that don't, not every time, So <laughs> me, in this one, it did. So let, me, so let me give you my opinion on that. You see, I kind of felt different than that, Jake, like, oh, I did. When when I, when I saw Jackson, I'm just using them instead of using the real names, using their character names. just yeah. like in our world, you know, when, when I see Jack and I know, you know, he's got something brewing. Like, yeah, he ain't going to he ain't going to put his brother over the way he needs to. Now, part of him is he's protecting his brother because he knows that brother ain't ready for the show. So no. no. he is a long way. Which- he's, he's he's a he's a crybaby which yeah. is something that really comes out in the end of it. Yeah. And of course Ludwig is playing uh, a great, role. Well, he's a great actor. Um, so he really gets into the, into the part there. And when, when uh, Jack dumps Ace on his head and then rips the arm back, the ref, I love the ref. The ref ref sold it, man. Like, what are you doing, Jack? Like, just call it, call it. it. Yeah, Yeah. man, and do your job. And he calls it, and, you know, he goes down, and I could see it hurt. I didn't like the crying, even though that became a thing, the crybaby. I didn't buy that because that's a tough son of a bitch kid. He's a hard-headed kid. Now, they set it up. Earlier in the first episode, where he talks about he lost a football game when he cried, right? Yeah, well, that's right, because right. it meant right. so much to him. It's football, well, they're setting it up for the, the, the next turn or down the road. Yeah, they're doing 100%, 100%. But I still didn't like the fact that he cried, baby. And I've been in a ring where they're throwing shit like crazy because oh, I was against it. the NWO many times when they all started just. Killing me and the shit was flying from yeah, everywhere. Buddy. I would work myself under the turnbuckle. Yeah, I just roll just so shit would hit that. Yeah, gotta be safe, man. Yeah. Man. I remember working for the clowns, man. I got hit with a fish about that long. Me and Scott Hall. <laughs> Scott got out of the ring, went out in the crowd, and beat the shit out of the guy. <laughs> I won the match. <laughs> the uh the the fact that the and that kind of bothered me. I love the comeback. Punch in the face. And I love how Jack sold it. Yep. I, I, yep. I like the the people. I thought it was a bit much with the throwing of shit. Um, and how they turned on him so quick. Uh, that just goes to show you how fickle fans can be. No, so. I, I get that too. But you I think it would have been 50-50. DDT, DDT. Yeah. You yeah. It, I should. still think, it's my opinion. I get, we don't talk about this shit. No. You know, and we both have different views on certain things. Like I did like the finish that he took them. Uh I didn't like the fact that he cried. Um but it it set shit up. I love the so, way they brought them back together though. Yes. The bar did. scene. Yeah. Right. And what did you like best about the bar scene? Um, the best part about the bar scene was first of all, I think when he walked in there and he let him continue to do what he was doing right. him, being the big brother while the other guys were calling them out yeah and then once they got done with that parking lot the parking lot went, the best went, part. Went, yeah the best part where they freaking turn around and go you're a piece of shit just like your old man and the, the brothers and they both turn right and they're coming towards them. but who oh. saves the day the girl, baby, the girl. God. They, get, they got Crystal. That's what I say. She got money, yeah. and that, and that's you got. She, she got can, over. Yeah, and she can thank that Lita for that, because yeah. Lita is the one who got that over. You know, a million different luchadores have done that. Her karana Lita was the one who get it off yeah. the top rope yeah. to the guy on the floor and just crazy stuff. And 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 Crystal must have watched that. Or Kelly's supposed to watch that a lot because you know, either her or the stunt girl, she looked real good doing it. And uh and that that right there, I mean that girl, I looked at her and I say, She's money, man. Oh yeah, she she's beautiful. Be money. She's got great energy. Uh I really like that. So uh you have anything else to say about the first episode? Yeah. Well or you want to we'll this in a this is a second. Is it no, about the, about the about bar camera. scene?
0: I want to jump in about the, the bar scene. scene. I like that. Ahead, what do
2: you in, think about the there's
0: the scene. brother aspect of, and everybody who has family members, whether it's a brother or sister or whatever, when you're kids, sometimes you fight like cats and dogs. Cause that's what siblings yes, do, yes, right. but it becomes a deal where, Hey, uh, I can say that to her or I can do that to her, but you can't right. <laughs> Absolutely,
2: absolutely. <Right>. And so <laughs> absolutely.
0: When, when the chips were down, even though these guys hate each other, they're not on speaking terms. The relationship has never been worse. That's yeah. between us. We're not going to well, let these other strangers. St- yes, you absolutely. Sticker than water. I like that. You're
2: right. And, we, we are. Yeah. We are in a second And, part. and, <laughs> and uh, there was another thing there that that, that, that Jack and uh, Ace got over. And uh, you know, Scott Hall has said it best. Um, I never had a problem in the ring. It's after the match was over. Right. Because when you're in that ring. It's a very special place. You fans, you've never been there, you don't understand it. But I can be in the back, sick as a dog, throwing my guts up, <laughs> diarrhea going on, whatever. When that bell rings, right? When I get in that ring, I'm good. Even with my worst hangover, when I'd been up for three or four days doing cocaine, felt like shit, could barely walk. When the bell rang, I would go to the ring. And not only would I put in the time they wanted, I would throw in an extra 15 because I'd punish myself for being such a dumbass. There's something that happens in that ring that just makes you release all your troubles. Let it all go. Because everything's smooth now. Everything's good now because I have control Mm. of everything. There's there's one of the things in, in episode two that I really loved that Jack and Ace have that moment outside the hospital, and where he talks about, you know, that was if, it, yeah, yeah, the same thing you were yeah. saying right there, that if 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 we ain't wrestlers, like if you ain't doing this, we're we're, yeah. we're we're not who we're 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 not who we are, and no matter where you are on any level, whether it's the independent world or the show. You know, it's becomes a piece it. becomes a piece of you. Yeah. And you give your body up each yeah. week. And some of the things I, I like how they uh and interesting uh not to give up too much stuff for uh you know, episode two, uh but uh the guy Charlie Gully, uh he's he's a great actor, that dude. Uh that the other the other uh wrestling organization. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. They're starting to build him in there. Like there's a competition thing yeah. here. And he wants the guys that he wants your best guys. Yeah. You know, he wants to come in and take them. And that, that happens all the time, folks. All the time. All the time. But uh overall with two, first of all I wanna say we don't throw anywhere as many f bombs as they, they do, do on that show, <laughs> and everybody has got an f bomb, and they're. And I didn't get near as much tail as they get on that show. And that's either. the other thing; <laughs> they ain't afraid to show some getting getting yep. busy. Yeah, and yep. Uh, it's classy, you know, But it but yep. it's good. They they, it's it's the business. I will tell you, the one thing I didn't like. What didn't you like? the chick dipping snuff yeah that was i didn't buy that i didn't buy yeah, that yeah that was she she might have came up with that or yeah, that might have been written I'd Ed, still but kiss her yeah, yeah. <laughs> she, she's, she's a beauty but uh yeah. I, I ain't buying her putting I that ain't stuff her that <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not no worm dirt in those lips no, <laughs> no. but but overall I'm, uh we'll give the final of, of what 2 i tell the you week? the second show is what sell me on this thing that's, the first yeah. one, I was like, "This isn't going to be a whole lot of fun watching this every week," but I'm going to do it because we're going to talk about it. They come back in the second show. Now I'm ready to watch. Right, I'm ready to watch, and that's what I tell you: you get first best, first two episodes. By the time you get into the third, you're like, "Wow, this is this is it's interesting, cool." Yeah, like you wonder where it, they're going to go. Yeah, and and there's so many places to go. Oh God, yeah. and 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 like the, the Wild Bill character, still my favorite. I mean, I really, I love what. Uh, what what Ludwig and and Emil are doing with the brother thing, um, I can feel it. I mean, it feels real. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, it feels yeah. like you're uh, you're almost like you are now sitting in on a conversation with us. Yeah. You know, uh, and so that's from the time that you can tell Emil is really put in to wrestling and being one of the boys that he is, and Ludwig like that cat he needs to be showing up AEW or, or somebody. And let's, let's. I want to see him go. I want to see, I want to see him in a match because he's jumping off the top rope and landing on his feet. Yeah. And that cat's yeah. like six, one or so. Yeah. yeah. You know, he might be six two. Yeah, he might have a spot somewhere. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's got uh he's not just a talent James actor. Harrison. You've got a spot too, son. <laughs> yeah. He's got a, uh, he's got some real, uh, he's got some real charisma and I, and I love the spot he you know he also is coming off of being up from a rehab too. Oh James? Yeah, that's one of the things that they oh, say, say. No, not from him personally. The character. Oh oh yeah the character, yes I know. They, that. That. they just slipped that in there. Yeah. So again oh, that was it was something good. that, was that uh you know uh again reality reality stuff. So we'll we'll give you uh opinions on number two next week. Uh oh, this was number two. This I know but I'm we'll oh, just oh, talking, got you. yeah you know what I mean. We'll give you anything uh, cutting, you know, uh, the finish, what we thought of that. And then we'll add into it. Number three at some point. So, uh, and more snake scores to come.
0: <laughs> and by the way, uh, something that, that, that Jake has said here on the show proves out in this series backstage in real life, if you will, the heels are the baby faces and the baby faces are the heels and that's Damn evident right here in heels and
2: absolutely. That's well, the, that's, I really love that. Yeah. That, that's uh, that That's a part. That I really like that how Ace took that character and like he went all in. Oh, he did. Yeah, he, did. He, <laughs> he went he went all in. And that's made himself a complete douchebag. Yes, he did. To yeah. us. To us. Yeah, like understanding why he's doing yeah. it and the, the, the fans stuff, loved it. The stuff that he doesn't know. Like you yeah. don't realize, like, dude, you're not ready for the show. Yeah. They will eat you up and yeah. spit, spit you, you out. out. You know, you'll never make it. You know, you'll be up and got your shot and then you're done. Yeah, he'd be slicing his wrist. Yeah, so so your brother's really... Crawling into a bottle. Your brother's really saving you. That's what's happening here. Boy, well, it's really, really hard to take that though, isn't it? Yeah, sure. His tough love, is what they call that? Yeah, yeah, we've been there. He did that to me. <laughs>
1: Well,
0: <laughs> well, we hope you guys are digging what we're doing here on DDP snake pit. We've had a lot of fun. Hope you hit the subscribe button and tell your friends about what we're doing here. Leave us a five-star review. If you think we've earned it, don't forget to at check least. out positively unstoppable.com. And, uh, man, I'm looking forward to next week. Dallas, what are you thinking? We're uh four episodes in you having fun so far?
2: No, dude, I love it. I think that, you oh, know, it's so God. natural. We're just hanging out. You know, yeah. we're here at, we're here at the. DDP Yoga Performance Center, which is an, its just where anything you see, like you know, any kind of vignettes or stuff that's been worked on in AEW, gets all filmed here. Like my crew here, man, they're great. Unbelievable. They—they, guy they, they, like Cody comes here. We were following Cody before there was an All In. You know, we were following him and helping him get the message out about that. You know, when he called out and said they were going to do 10,000 people. Yeah. Think about yeah. that. Oh, my God. How many years ago that was <sighs> and how absurd that comment was. He died laughing. Yeah. And then Meltzer, thank God that Meltzer called them, you know, and said, hey, you know, Cody's a little overzealous. Him and the Bucks, they might, you know, him and Kenny Omega, the Bucks, they might draw 4,000, but 10,000. And then Cody came right back with, hey, I'll take that bet, Dave. He had no idea how he was going to do it. Right. Doesn't matter. You know, but he did it. And not only that, they they go back and they do it three days in a row. Yeah. Later on. Yeah. Crazy, man. And now what that company come in, it's, you know, the WWE is the mecca of wrestling. You think what you want about all wrestling, but it's, it's, it's the granddaddy, but AEW has made its mark and they oh, are God, yeah. for real. And if you watch some of what's happening on Impact today, Impact has definitely elevated their game. Like it's a great time. You know what's great for? The boys. And the girls is good. Right. It's great for the business. And that's why when me and Jake talked about it, about doing this, and I talked to Connie about it, as far as you know, doing this thing with heels. It's great for the business. Yes. You know, it's great to the business in general. Again, people who love what we do, The Rock got us the most respect ever, you know, by being the guy. And now, like I said before, Cena and Batista and Opportunity, you know, Adam Copeland, you know, I mean, all these guys. Jake Roberts. Jake Roberts. Yes. And if you guys haven't seen uh, Peanut Butter Falcon. Falcon. Peanut Butter Falcon, Jake killed it in Peanut Butter Falcon. And uh we got a lot of really cool things happening coming up this year. And we'll keep you guys abreast of uh keep it keep an eye out on Netflix for the Guardians of Justice, which is a very dark superhero series that that I've got coming up too. So uh here in the first second quarter of uh 2022. So it's a great time to uh just to be doing what we're doing, man. And Connie, appreciate you having us on, uh, and, uh, running the show here,
0: man. Thank you guys for joining us. We're having a lot of fun. I consider myself the first listener and I can't wait to listen next week. We'll see you right here on DDP snake pit.